0: Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session.
1: So you serve a supernatural God, right? It, he's, not, he's not a God that uh, submits or becomes part of a natural world. He's a supernatural God that brings his supernatural into the earth. So how, do, how does that supernatural God work? It says he depends on a man to believe him, right? A man who would not be bound to the limitations of the natural world around him, but a man, a woman who would say, I believe in a supernatural God and my supernatural God came to do a supernatural thing. Amen. Are you with me? (laughs) So why do we in so many ways try to make God fit us? Instead of us fitting God, we're not supposed to fit God. We're supposed to make ourselves available to God and to dream a dream that's beyond our ability. When the angel came to Mary, the, the angel, the angel spoke and said, you're going to be pregnant with the son of God. And she's like, Nuh-uh. right. And, and the, 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 the Lord spoke to her and said, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And that is a prophetic picture of when the Lord speaks to you. A dream releases something that is bigger than you into you. If it was possible for you, can I tell you, it wouldn't be God. God doesn't do anything possible. God does things that are impossible. Amen. Amen? And so the Lord is looking for somebody, just maybe one or two, just a handful to shake a city. To literally be like this, this young man who, who uh, maybe sees himself as a colt tied and has no purpose, but the Lord actually comes and speaks and unloose, unlooses this young man and says, I'm going to ride you triumphantly into a city. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? Every one of you have that same call upon your life, but something's tied you to a limitation. If you're not in your purpose and call, if you are not flowing supernaturally, something has tied you and bound you to a mentality of thinking too small of yourself or limited instead of stepping into the supernatural and connecting to the one who is supernatural. Jesus said we would be like him, right? He wouldn't come to be like us. It says we would have to be like him. And we then would allow this river of life to flow through us. Amen. So, you know, Mark 16, um, verse 15, uh, Jesus gives this command to go into the world and preach the gospel. And he says, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils, they will pray in tongues, heal the sick, do all this supernatural stuff, right? So if that mark, is that, if that is evidence of, your, of the life of Christ flowing through you, how many of you could say, That's me. That's my motto. I own that scripture. That's actually marked all over me. That's what I am. The supernatural flows through me. Because that's a picture of of, he connects the supernatural to the commission. Okay? He confirms his word with signs and wonders. With the supernatural, with the presence of God. With overwhelming things that cause people to weep and shake and realize that God is bigger than they are. So if, if, that, if that is the case, then where do we all stand with respect to this supernatural lifestyle? Are you fully believing in what the Lord has for your life and what the purpose is of the Lord in your life? You guys are the tip of the spear, right? You guys are, are the leaders of the victory organization. And if you're the tip of the spear, the thought processes that mingle throughout the whole organization come through the tip of the spear. That's you. So if you believe that something that appears to be impossible, and if God said it, that the impossible becomes possible because God said it, that thought process mingles through the whole organization. But if you, th- but if you think lowly of yourself and of the ability of the Lord, you then release that same reflection throughout what you're responsible for and, and, how, and, and the connections that you have all around you. So what would this church, what would this organization look like if you all thought that this is the year of the impossible, that we're going to do the, uh, the impossible thing the Lord said we're going to do because we're going to pull together and believe for something that's not possible for a man but possible for God. What would Victory Church look like? Huh? How many drug addicts would be saved on, on in this city? How many people would be converted on the street? How many people would be willing to walk down the street and make themselves vulnerable and say, Lord, speak to me about that broken man and allow the word of the Lord to speak. How many, how many of you would be willing to do that? How many of you do do that? Huh? Today we had, uh, some, some prophetic classes this morning at El Dorado. And there's a young guy over here, Justin, Justin sat in the, in the meetings and, uh, for the first time in his life, he had the vision of the Lord and he stood up and he prophesied over this, this, I'll call him an older guy. Looked like he was worn and torn, beat up a little bit, you know, like us older people look like, right? This guy's probably pushing 60, doesn't have many teeth, old big burly lumberjack looking guy, somebody that you would not expect to be supernatural. Supernatural. But waiting for the Lord to speak something supernaturally into him, and suddenly Justin gets a vision of this guy. Right, we're we're, we're we're awakening people to walk on water, to expect in the Lord, and to see the vision of the Lord. And so Justin prophesies over this guy. This guy starts to shake and weep, and the gift of tongues flies out of his mouth. The next thing you know, the guy says, I, I have a vision of a woman down at the, at the convenience store. And he makes the woman who brought him, he makes her take her down to the convenience store. He had just been filled with the Holy Ghost, guys. And he gets a vision of the Lord. That, that he, he comes back and says, I spoke the vision of the Lord to her. And she stood there in the middle of the convenience store shaking and weeping. Because the Lord spoke to her heart. Amen. That, that, that's the book of Acts, man. So, you know, the only thing limiting us is vision. Think about that. The only thing limiting any of you is vision. So when the Lord comes to you in a dream or a vision, that vision actually is the avenue that carries you to actually execute. Everything you need is in that vision. It's not. It's not about actually working around it or preparing for it in some unusual way. It's actually your faith system inside of you, believing, for what the Lord spoke. So you center your life around what the Lord spoke, instead of trying to make everything around your life um, fit the or, or measure up or achieve or, or whatever. Jesus said the whole thing hinges on your belief system. Do you believe? How many times in the, in, the, in the four gospels did Jesus say, do you believe? Do you believe? If you believe, you can move mountains. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you, you, you can do this. If, it, it's simply if you believe. The, 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 uh, the, there's a story in uh, Mark, I think it's Mark chapter 9, where um, the boy is so demonized that he throws himself in the fire. And when Jesus is done interacting with him, um the man actually cries out, Jesus, help my unbelief. And when Jesus is done, he acknowledges, he responds to the man's heart cry for Jesus to help his unbelief. And his son is literally delivered right there on the spot. Right? So the the issue is not making everything perfect around us. The issue is very simple. It's do you hear God and do you believe what the Lord is saying? Because inside of that seed... That spoken word of the Lord, that vision, is all ability, all power. And I'm preaching to myself now, right? Because the vision the Lord has give, given me is bigger than what something I've ever done. And so I've got to believe bigger than I ever have. The Lord is confronting my belief system. How's he confronting yours? Right? So this, this is a year for victory to step in, into a new thing. Right to believe in something that you've never believed before. So, in order for that to function, you know, for an army to work, there's a connection, there's an organization, there's a flow, right? There's there's a, there's a process. And so, um, I've asked Thelma to uh, read a scripture out of the book of Jewel. And this this scripture out of the book of Joel, chapter two, is a description of when the presence of the Lord comes, and an army is awakened. And the reason I asked her to read this is because I I believe that this, this is a vision of the visitation of the Lord coming upon you and what you look like and why the enemy is afraid of what you're about to become. Amen.
2: Praise the Lord. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. For it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountain tops, they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble. Like a strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness the Lord gives voice before his army for his camp is very great for strong is the one who executes his word for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it?
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's an awesome vision, right? See the problem with most people is they don't see themselves in that army. And the, the end of that scripture is, it says if you execute the word of the Lord, that's not a religious statement like you have to follow the Bible like a rule book. That the word, word is a connection of you hearing the voice of God and when you execute his vision, you become an army. You, be, you actually enter into the, to the supernatural power of the Lord. And people who deal with a lot of religion... They view the beginning of that scripture, this, this trumpet and these deep, dark clouds, like somehow God's mad at you. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are washed by the blood of the lamb. And no longer does the Lord see you through, um, with eyes that don't have the lens of the blood. The Lord actually, when he looks through the blood, he actually sees you clean, washed, washed right? So the Lord is not angry at you. The Lord has actually come to empower you. He comes to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, you believe it. And you step into this supernatural thing. You become a mighty man of war. You become a war horse. You become a, uh, an army uh, dressed in battle array, supernatural. It's a vision. How many of you have entered that, that army? Amen. Who here would say, I'm I'm going to enter that army? If if, If you've never entered that army, raise your hand and say this with me. Say, Lord, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Tonight, I'm entering the army of the Lord. Give me a dream. Give me a vision. And I will execute your word. I will believe it and expect you to move it. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, so you might want to buckle up your seatbelt, right? Because the kingdom of heaven is voice driven and you just gave the potter a command, okay? Right? He takes the clay, he forms it. You actually gave him access to actually do something supernatural in your life. Okay? And so, how many how many of you would say that you are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you expect the Lord to speak to you, the Spirit of God to speak to you at any moment, at any point of the day, and you're actually ready to do his will. Amen? Amen? I, 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 in, a, in a church like Victory Church, I expect every hand to be in the air. Amen? Amen? Right, brother? <laughs> For Victory Church to execute the vision of this house, there's got to be a, 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 a gathering around the vision. There's got to be prayer around the vision. There's got to be seeing into the vision. There's got to be people praying into the vision, not just one man carrying a vision or one family carrying a vision, the people, the army marching in battle array in order under the command of the word of the Lord. Are you with me? How many of you know that one man with God is an army? Amen. One woman, one man with God is an army. I got a crazy story for you. Not that I've never told you a crazy story before. I'm going to tell you another one. In uh, 2017, um, I one of my missions to India. I went alone to India, um, and I I go to this one city called Cochinada. It's on the uh, west coast. I'm sorry, the east coast. Um, about in the middle of of the coast, north and south. And, um, anyway, um, the city of Kakanat is about 2 million people, um, which for India is a pretty small city. One out of every seven people in the world live in, in India, uh, 1.3 billion people in the nation of India. Okay. It's the most populated place on earth. And so, um, 2 million people, there's a lot of 2 million people cities in, in India. And so. We get in the car one night and the guy says we're we're going somewhere like an hour out outside of the city and we're driving and we're driving and we get closer and closer and we're, we're getting you know a few miles and I started feeling I started sensing this feeling come over me and I'm like what in the world is that where are we where are you taking me man right i mean how, how many um discern the presence that's around you discern uh the what you can discern it's heavy or uh, the free flow of the spirit, right? And I just I felt this like all I can describe it as as evil, and I so I started asking questions because I'm by myself in the middle of pitch black India. I mean, there's no there's no power, right? There's no lights. We're an hour outside of the city in the rural India, and um, we come we come onto this village. There's probably thirty thousand people in what they would call a small village. I mean, there's it's like adobe huts. Side by side, and um, I start asking questions. What What is this place? Why do I, what do I feel that? And uh, this guy starts telling me, and he, he's got the he's got a sense of humor. He's he's a crazy guy like me, man. He just he believes God, and um, the way he connected us is unusual. And he just starts to chuckle, and I'm like, I'm sensing. I'm like, all right, man, this this is buckle up. This is going to be fun. And uh, he starts to explain to me. He says, this group of Hindus are what in America we would call like uh, radical Satanists, um, people that uh, pray crazy prayers and they, they sacrifice things and do things. And I'm like, what? What are you, where, where are you taking me, man? And I, I'm like, he goes, well, the way we got you in here is we told them that you do magic tricks. <laughs> I went, What? <laughs> I'm crazy for Jesus, but wow, right? I mean, dude, I I mean, I literally, it it takes a lot to shake me. I get on a plane, go the whole way around the world by myself. I go stand in front of thousands of people, but I'm like, I'm sitting in the car. and I'm like, magic tricks. And he's he's, kind of smiling, right? And so, long story short, um, we get out and it 's not a huge uh, gathering there 's like five five hundred people they 're all hindus there 's not a Christian in the crowd other than me and uh, the two the two guys that brought me um, and i 'm like this, this is this is going to be one for the books i don 't know how this is going to work out, but I stand up and um, I quickly realized I started to preach I tried to preach and I'm like, i 'm like it was like preaching to a brick wall i 'm preaching my interpreter is interpreting. And um, the, the, the people are, are just, they're sitting there like bumps on a log, man. I mean, just like, they're not, they're not budging, they're not, they're not moving anything. And I, 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 I had to take a step back, and I was like, Lord, what do I do? And the first thing I saw is I, I just saw me laying hands on this, this girl. She was like in the third row. And so I had to trust the Lord that this is the way this was going to work out tonight, that he literally had to do a magic trick. Okay? I don't believe, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, not, not, I'm not uh, promoting magic. I just, I, I'm, I'm using it as a term. Okay. Um, the Lord uses, sne- you, you, do you ever hear a sneaky Jesus? <laughs> G- Jesus um, gets into places with people that have sneaky, great ideas to get them into places that somehow Jesus would never get into unless somebody was crazy enough to go venture in and release Jesus into the darkest places on earth. Are you with me? All right. So all I get from the Holy ghost is this girl about this young girl, like 16 year old girl. Okay. She's laying on the deck and I kid you not. It was, it was kind of funny, but it wasn't because I realized I was in a whole lot of trouble, but she hits the deck and she's laying there limp. She's not moving. And the crowd goes, oh, like they just saw a magic trick. I kid you not. I laid my hand on her. She falls down. Oh, and the crowd is expecting her to like, they're like wanting to ask her questions. Well, she laid there. One minute goes by, two minutes goes by. The mother comes unglued. The mother jumps up out of, the, out, out of the third row, comes up and literally grabs her by the arm and starts dragging her. Ah! i mean crazy and the, i'm looking at the interpreter like what did you get me into right and i don't know this goes on for a few minutes the interpreter's trying to get her calmed down um some of the young men come up and i'm dude i start looking for the getaway car i'm like i am not getting the tar beat out of me in the middle of a hindu village i'm like holy ghost how, how's this gonna work and I, I literally had to reach into the Holy Spirit in a way that I never reached before because these people were shaking this girl. My interpreter jumps off the stage and he's trying to get them to leave her go. Don't mess with her, right? And somehow it's like this peace starts to fall on the thing, and these words started to come out of my mouth. And as these words start coming out, I, it was it was it was basically a, a Holy Spirit message, and the interpreter catches on and he, he starts interpreting what I'm saying. And so the girl is laying down and all these people are surrounding the girl and they're looking at the girl, but they're hearing me because this girl got magic tricked by the Holy ghost. Okay. And this goes on five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And these words are still flowing out of my mouth. And the interpreter, I mean, he's, he's firing brimstone, man. It's flying out of him. And all of a sudden, 30, about 30 minutes go by. This girl, she sits up off the floor and she she's like, I mean, she got whacked in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking so undone in the Holy Ghost. She's sitting there and she stands up and she starts mumbling these words. So the interpreter jumps down and puts the mic in front of her face. I'm like, what's she saying? What's she saying? he starts to tell me that she's explaining that she just met Jesus in heaven. She just talked to Jesus in heaven. And she goes on to talk about having this encounter with the living Christ. And I thought I was going to a Hindu village to preach that night, but I found out that the Lord had a call on this 16-year-old girl's life and that she was going to interpret the word of the Lord that night. Are you kidding me? That that that's not normal, man, right? I mean, that doesn't, that's just not normal. And so by the end of the night, put that last picture up. By the end of the night, after they hear this girl witness that Jesus Christ is real, these people come forward willing to allow me to lay my hand on them. And something as simple. I don't think we value, I just want to talk a moment about the mark of the Holy Spirit, right? In Ephesians 1.13, it says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It, some versions actually say we are marked. And somehow this girl that has a red dot on her forehead, she comes believing every other god under the sun. The, the Hindu religion believes in many gods, right? They believe literally that anything is a god. And somehow the Lord uses a Hindu and doesn't, is not afraid of their religion. And actually, with one touch, with one person willing to touch one person, the Lord ends up preaching to an entire Hindu village, which comes forward and allows me to actually pray for these people. And, you know, I, pr- I can pray some pretty freaky prayers. I, I believe that Jesus is the miracle worker, the supernatural ability. And I, it's like a guy like me, that's like a dream. You put uh, you 500 Hindus in front of me, that I get to pray for them, knowing that when the voice of the Lord flows through a man or a woman, that that voice of God actually breaks that darkness, breaks that chain, actually allows them to see into the realm of heaven that they could never do before because of their idolatry. That's freaky, man. I mean, who, did, did, can you even dream that stuff up? You can't make that up, can you? That's crazy. So, you know, the, the realm of the supernatural is something that we're all supposed to function in. Amen? But, you know, the, the value of the Holy Spirit, how much value would you say that you put in the Holy Spirit in your life? 10%? 20 all of it? 80? Do you tune your ear? Do you expect him to judge the darkness that's in front of you? Do you truly see? Ooh, I almost fell. Do you truly see that he made you wash clean, white as snow, and therefore you are righteous in Christ? And when you believe that, there's, there's such a relational dynamic with the Holy Spirit because you're not fighting yourself. You're expecting in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. The gift of the Holy Spirit is, is, you know, Christ ascended into heaven. He told the disciples, don't leave this city. I have one thing to send you. Amen. One. He sends you the Holy Spirit. We have to take care of one thing. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually said this in um, John 16. Um, this is in the Amplified, guys, starting with verse 11. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me. Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthler, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send you the Holy Ghost to be close in fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world about its guilt, its sin, and the need of a Savior, and about righteousness, and about judgment, about sin, and the true nature of it, because they do not believe me and my message, about righteousness, the personal integrity and godly character, because I am going to the Father, and you'll see me no more. And here's the kicker, guys, about judgment, the certainty of it. Because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. How many of you know that the Lord has come to judge your enemies? Right? The Lord, the Lord did not... He, if, if you are in Christ and you believe that the blood actually had the power to wash you clean, Jesus, the, the whole anger issue, the whole separation issue this is, is no longer, it doesn't exist. So if you believe that part, you have to believe the next part, which is that the Holy Ghost not comes to continually condemn you. How many of you here deal with like a a feeling of condemnation, depression, oppression, anxiety, fear, those type of things. That's a deceptive force of the enemy trying to trick you back into the feeling and the nature of sin when the Lord actually conquered sin. And he actually says, I've come to judge your enemy. I've come to judge every demonic power that would try to put its weight on you, to try to bring you down, to try to break you, to try to take ownership of you, to try to work you in every way that your enemy works you. The Holy Ghost. I mean, just the presence of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I need you today. Come, I am not leaving this place. show me me son, me, I am not leaving this feeling of guilt, I refuse it. Judge my enemy, Holy Ghost, Judge my enemy, Holy Ghost, Judge my enemy. Can I tell you, I never would have been able to trust the Holy Spirit in a Hindu village in the middle of a dark place, especially after a guy said that, oh yeah. You're in a a Hindu extreme village, and they're expecting you to do magic tricks. That's why you're here. Are you kidding me? The Lord doesn't send you to places unless he's prepared you with a faith system to actually manage and control and expect him to actually fix the problem and to do magic tricks. Anybody here late? (laughs) That's funny. It is funny. I mean, anybody here expecting the Holy Ghost to do something so supernatural in your life? Like beyond anything you could ask or think freaky, crazy, huh? The only thing between you and the supernatural is your belief system. And it's not the Holy Ghost. It's, It's you. You. Your belief system. Jesus said, if you believe you can move this mountain, if you believe, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can shake the earth. You are an army because my spirit is like sitting up there waiting for somebody who expecting me to like come down and breathe fire on every dragon, fire on every snake, fire on everything that would come against you, your personal victor, your advocate, your counselor, your mighty warrior. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Woo! Expectancy is in the air. Amen. Anybody expecting here tonight? Come on, man. The Lord is awakening an army. The Lord is awakening a supernatural army in this place. Woo! <laughs> Let me give you this vision. Okay? And um, I do a lot of my fasting in December, uh, and so I was spending a lot of time in prayer and preparing for coming here. Um, I don't go anywhere unless the Lord speaks to me with a word, and so um, I start pressing the Lord about Victory Church, not just El Dorado, not just Camden, but the vision. I, I'm pressing the Lord for the vision, right? And so the Lord shows me this vision, and in this vision. He shows me um, a five headed dragon outside of this church, like out here on the main highway. And he's, he's, he's walking around, but all of a sudden it's like he's awakened and he looks back at the church and he can see a cloud coming over to rest over top of the church. And this cloud begins to rain. It's not like this super strong rain, but it's a steady, soft rain over the church. Right. And this dragon this dragon gets so like terrified that this five headed dragon comes flying back and lands on the roof of the church. Like he's desperately laying on the roof and with its wings and it's five heads, it's trying to prevent the rain from falling on this house. Right? And so the next thing I see is, um, you know, it's not, it's not that there's not rain falling. There's rain falling. And it's not that the dragon is preventing all the rain from getting to you, but somehow there's not enough rain falling from this cloud because this dragon is able to manipulate itself on the roof to try to prevent all the rain from getting to all the people. Okay? So keep that picture in your head because um, the next thing I see is I see people in this church pulling. It's like I see you gathering together. Recognizing that you need more rain. You need a greater downpour. You need a flow of the river of God to such a degree that you gather together and you start to ask one question, and it's about the rain. And I see the Lord giving you a scripture. It's Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1 says this In the days of latter rain, cry out for rain. And I see the people in this house taking this scripture, and it becomes so real to them that they start writing it all over the walls. They actually start marking each other with this scripture, Zechariah 10.1, Zechariah 10.1. And this scripture, like, takes on life. And I see the arm of Christ reach out of these writings, reach out of the scripture, and actually, it's like he, the, the arm of the Lord begins to touch the face of the people in this house, and he puts war paint he puts war paint on the people and it's like the people become an army with an intense recognition that the Lord said that in the latter days you're to cry out for rain. And it's almost like the people gather together to do a rain dance like you're doing, you're, you're, you're having this expectation that you deserve. You actually expect more rain than what you've settled for you actually have a heart that is beginning to cry out for a rate of a release of the rain so greatly. And the next thing I see is I see the rain beginning to fall because people are gathering together for one thing, and that is the rain the falling rain, the waters of the Holy Spirit to come on your church. And the next thing I see is that the water actually turns into like this major waterfall. And like instead of a soft rain, this, this cloud begins to like be a deluge. And the water comes so heavy over um, this house that the dragon is washed away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that the issue is not the dragon? The issue is the heart that cries out for rain. Because the command of the Lord is that in, he says in the days of latter rain, cry out, cry out for rain. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain, because you need the Holy Spirit. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. The pro, the, 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 I, th- I believe the Lord is saying to you that uh, the, the, the rain that you have now is a representation of your heart. And that the Lord is releasing a hunger into your heart that will cry out for a rain that your enemy is no longer has any validity in your life or your vision. Because you depend on the promise of the Lord that the rain will fall because of your heart cry for this one living God. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? <laughs> so you have to realize that it's not, just, it's not just like a subtle rain falling. The Lord actually says this um, in Revelation 22, 17. He says, The spirit and the bride say, Come, let him who hears say, Come, let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Right? Psalms uh, 42, 7 says, The deep calls out to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. So we are not to be, we're not to settle just for a little touch here and there because our enemy comes. The presence of the enemy is actually a recognition that there's about something supernatural, something supernatural is about to happen in in, uh, Victory Church. There's something supernatural because the enemy actually turned. I saw the enemy turn and recognize that a cloud, not just a regular cloud, a supernatural cloud has come over the house. And it has the potential for a downpour that is beyond just a steady shower. It has the potential for what appears to be a waterfall, a downpour of the Holy Ghost. And it will wash away. The presence of the Lord will wash away your enemy. Amen. The vision that Cricket said, he's, I've heard him repeat it a couple times, is that there would be a five. He, he, gave, he gave you the, 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 sto- the five stones, right? There, there, would, there would be five. Why would the Lord give me a vision? I didn't, know, I didn't know what his vision was. The Lord gave me a vision about a five-headed dragon coming to confront a man with a five-stone vision. And whether or not that dragon takes up residence on the roof Is up to you. It's not up to the dragon. The dragon right now is shaking in his boots. The dragon is afraid of a group of people that would come together with an expectation that there would not just be a trickling, steady rain, that the dragon can actually allow enough rain to make you somewhat satisfied, but never allow you to get to what you're called to do. He's afraid of a people that would come together and say, Lord, there's got to be more. Lord, there's got to be more. I have an expectation of more. There's got to be more of you. There's got to be more supernatural. There's got to be a greater release of your glory in this house. This city is in dire need of you, Lord. I will not rest until I see my enemy destroyed. I will not rest until I see the drug addicts walk up with, with being freed from drug addiction. I will not rest until... Poverty actually flees from this place because people have supernatural financial ideas. I will not rest. He's waiting for a people to begin to expect to him that you would come together with such a great expectation. Was your song not about expectation? The Lord is awakening an expectation that you would pray like you've never prayed before. That you would come together and sometimes you're not coming together because you just are going to do normal church. You're coming together because you have a rally cry. You, have, you heard the voice of the Lord that says, ah, There's a promise of a downpour that will come upon this church and it will be like a river that not only flows through this church, it will be like a waterfall, a river that actually flows through the city. A river that flows through the city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what's stopping you? What is stopping you? Do you know there's a story? Um, Charles Finney. Do you ever hear Charles Finney? Charles Finney was um, an amazing revivalist in the 1800s, the mid-1800s in upstate New York. Charles Finney was the preacher. But there was another man that warred in the heavens that allowed what Finney did to actually happen. There's a, there's a guy called Father Nash. Did you ever hear of Father Nash? Father Nash is a guy that the Lord raised up to pray in a way that shook the heavens. And what happened was the Lord connected Father Nash with Finney and Father Nash would go into a city weeks before Finney was scheduled to go. And the stories go that Nash would begin to fast and pray He would begin to knock on heaven's door and he would begin to prophesy and declare the word of the Lord over the city. And he would gather just a couple people and they would lay their stories written about Father Nash that he would lay in prayer and moan and groan and cry out for the Lord that the heart cry of heaven, that the Lord, that heaven would hear his heart cry and that there would be a waterfall released over, over, over the cities. And what would happen is Finney, the stories go that even before Finney arrived on the scene, it says that people came out of the mountainsides because they could feel the presence of the Lord. They didn't know why they showed up. They didn't know why they came. But they could feel because one man shook the earth so hard with his prayer life that... The water, it was like heaven was opened and there was a drenching downpour that all the junk, all the pain, all the sorrow, all these things that kept people from being drawn to the Lord, somehow they're washed away because one man prayed like some crazy supernatural freaky prayers. Is there a Nash in the house? Is there people that would come together and say, I'm going to pray in such a way this year that I would have such an expectation that there would not just be a trickle of rain in this city, that I'm not just going to settle and be satisfied for what goes on as normal in Camden and southern Arkansas. But I'm going to pray in a way because I believe the Lord can change and shake this city, can change and shake the southern part of this state. What would happen if you gathered around a simple, a simple heart cry, believing the vision that the Lord, your enemy, is shaking right now because he's recognizing a cloud moving over this house, and it has the intention of releasing a waterfall? What would happen if 50 of you got hold of that vision, and you said that you would not allow the resistance of your enemy to hinder your prayer life. That you would come together and you would pray in a way that would shake. And somehow, old Mr. Cricket man, he gets up in this thing, this pulpit, and all of a sudden he starts to shake. Somebody's been praying in this house. Oh my God, I feel an open heaven in this house. Like something's going to happen. Like there's supernatural and all of a sudden the door's in the front side of this house. You don't know why, but there's people coming off the street because they're drawn to the presence of the Lord. Are you catching a vision? Amen. Woo. <laughs> Let's just take a moment. Just say this. Say, Lord, send the rain. Jesus, send the rain of the Holy Ghost. I'm not settling for a trickle. I'm not settling for a steady rain. Send the downpour of heaven. Send it, send it, send it, send it, send it. Woo! Come on, Lord, that's not enough right now. I expect more of your presence. I expect you to shake this city now, 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 now. now. Come on, man, you're the tip of the spear. What would happen if you didn't sit there like religious people and you began to lay down your image and you began to give your life in a prayer life and said, Lord, I will not settle for what I've settled for ever again. Ever. Come on, Holy Ghost. We need more. We need more. Come on, Are you catching the spirit, the spirit of expectation, the spirit of expectation? That's part of this prophecy that the Lord is releasing a greater expectation in your heart for what he has for this city. Hallelujah. But see, there's something been fighting you. There's something been fighting you. There's something been fighting you. you. It says, for the teraphim speak iniquity. This is verse 2. And the diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore the people wonder like sheep. They are afflicted because there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the false shepherds. I will punish the male goats. That's a pretty hard word. You see, what the Lord is angry about is he's given this promise and a heart cry that you would pray and cry out for more. And then you have this other group of leaders who would actually settle for less, that somehow you would be, be, become um, acceptant of normal. Normal is a curse word in the kingdom of heaven. I fear the Lord ever calling me normal. I fear the Lord saying to me, I gave you such an unction in prayer and you settled for being normal. They speak lies, false delusions. Well, I don't actually prophesy wrong things and do things. Well, no, you just sit there like normal. You just sit there, become like normalville. Do you know the vision of church That we recognize and accepted and settled for is nothing to do with the end time church. You heard the voice of God come through Joel chapter 2 that you would be a mighty army that you would not settle for normal that you would be mighty men you would be battle ready horses of war who would actually expect and engage in the battle knowing that there are lives in this city dependent on your heart cry for more of the Lord. Amen? Are you going to settle for normal in 2019? What's going to change in your prayer life? What's going to change in the prayer life of this house? What's going to change? Who's going to rally a heart cry to rally people to come and simply cry out for the reign of the Lord? Because a vision was spoken that a dragon wants to prevent the rain. Because the rain, when it's released over this house, is going to raise up mighty men and it's going to affect a city. How are you going to rally? What are you going to do different? How how are you going to pull people together? How are you going to push and push and push and pull on the Holy Ghost until the rain, the deluge from heaven opens up? And that thing called poverty that rules over this region gets flooded and washed away by the river that you prayed for. That thing called broken dreams and limited thinking that rules over southern Arkansas Got washed away because I found the people that would pray in a supernatural way because they see themselves not as mere normal churchgoers, but they see themselves empowered by the Holy Ghost that you would release heaven on earth. <laughs> Can you tell something struck something in me because this is my heart? This is my heart that I would, I I used to pray to be part of a move of God, that I would find a people that had such a passion and expectation for the Lord that they would expect Him to do supernatural things in battle-hardened times. And then somehow, upstate New York would happen where I stood. Will you come, Lord? Lord. Will you please pour out your spirit? Will you break the back of poverty? Will you break the back of brokenness and depression and suicide that rules over this region? Please. What would happen if you rallied around prayer? Rallied around a cause with an expectation of the spirit world. And not just came and functioned as an organization, but you functioned as this crazy army. Crazy army. Prophetic songs flowing out of, out of uh, war cries and, and prayer vigils that last for days. And psalms and songs decorate, declaring and prophesying the vision of the Lord for Arkansas. You want to be p- famous in heaven? Expecting what the Lord promised you and pray like a madman. Pray like a madman. Pray like your life and the life around you of the people depend on your prayer. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Yes. You see, there's people weeping in here right now because the presence and the power of the Lord is drawing people. There's an intercession being released in this house and pulling people into an expectation that the Lord said that he, will, he is ready to execute his word, his vision. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 3 For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock the house of Judah and will make them like a majestic warhorse Wasn't a warhorse part of what was written in the army of Joel chapter 2 right So there's a theme that the Lord will make you a warhorse You know what a warhorse is Did You ever you ever see the movie Warhorse Do you know how brave a warhorse is there's a, there's, a, there's a training process that a war horse has to go through. First, they have to be selected. They have to hear the call. They have to be marked by the Spirit. Okay? Once they're marked, that's just the beginning. Then they have to learn to trust the voice of the Lord. And the way they used to train war horses is once they selected the war horse, they would actually take them to the ocean, to the, to the ocean to the beach. And they would take this horse in up to its bridle to the point where the waves started crashing over the horse. And the horse had to learn to trust the rider that the rider wouldn't take him so deep that he would drown. But he had to endure the fear of, of what was in front of him with the crashing waves. And they would stand there for days and weeks till these horses became so steadied In trusting the rider. They had to learn to trust the rider. That's the first step. The second step was that they had to learn to face their enemy. So they would simulate the battlefield. And what they learned on the battlefield is that the horse had to get so close to the enemy so that the rider could stick its sword into the enemy. They they weren't trained to run from the enemy. They were trained to run to the enemy so that the rider on the horse could pierce it with its sword. Amen? And so this war horse at some point becomes ready. This war horse at some point ends up spending the majority of its time behind enemy lines. It becomes comfortable in the midst of war fighting day after day, expecting the battle, knowing that the battle's coming, knowing that the enemy is coming with retaliation, and knowing that it has learned to trust the rider. Learn to trust the rider of the horse. Learn to trust him in a way that they, the horse became fearless. They became voice-dependent and signal-dependent of the rider instead of looking at their surroundings. Their surroundings didn't matter. The voice of the rider and the direction that the rider took the horse was everything that mattered. You see, there's a story. You might know how it ends in the book of Revelation. It says that Jesus Christ comes riding on a white horse. He has a sword that comes out of His mouth and He's waiting for somebody to take Him close to the enemy so that the sword that comes out of the mouth of Christ can pierce your enemy and the enemy of all the people of this city. The Lord is coming here tonight to make you a war horse. Are you willing to be trained and stand in the waves? Are you willing to allow to be battle hardened and get close enough to your enemy, expecting that the spear of Christ will actually pierce your enemy? Fearless. Total expectation in the rider of the horse. Total expectation in the rider of the horse. Total expectation in the rider of the horse. Is it hitting you? That the rider of the horse is here tonight looking to engage you into a supernatural life that is beyond anything that you have accepted at this point as supernatural. To to, to flow in a heart cry that is so far beyond what you've been willing to lay down your life with so far. I'm talking about you dedicating to get up in the morning every day of your life and knock on heaven's door till you hear his voice and to prophesy his words and to shake the enemy that has your children in bondage, that has your friends in bondage, that has your family in bondage, that has this city in bondage, expecting the reign of the Lord to flow in this city. What are you going to change? does does your expectation match the heart cry the lord is is inducing in you right now because because without you entering without you saying i am going to enter this war what's going to change because once a person recognizes that they're being enlisted into a battle cry into a heart cry that the rider uh, called christ is looking To unloose people from their fears and bondages and things they're tied to in this world so that the Lord can ride them into battle. The Lord declares this starting in verse four. He says, from them will come the cornerstone, from them, the tent peg, from them, the battle bow, from them, every ruler, all of them together, they will be as mighty men treading down the enemy in the mire of the streets in battle, and they will fight for the Lord will be with them and the riders on horses, meaning the enemy that sought their own their, their own transportation, not the transportation of Christ. But the enemy, the riders of the horses will be put to shame. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph and I will bring them back because I have had compassion on them and they will be as though I had not rejected them for I am the Lord, their God and I will answer them. Ephraim will be a mighty man and their heart will be glad as if with wine. Indeed, their children will see it and it will be glad. That's an awesome vision, man. Can I be part of that vision? That's a pretty cool vision, man. I, would, I want to be part of that vision. Who would here would say, I want to be part of that vision? Who, would, who here would say, ride me, Lord, ride me into battle? Ride me into battle. Ride me into battle. If that's you, I want you to stand up. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, stand up. All right, Lord, you saw them. You have just enlisted an army. Lord, you have enlisted people who said that they will not settle for what they've accepted in the past. That they are willing to enter the battle. That there's, there's going to be a battle cry flow out of these people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just hear the word of the Lord say this. I have convinced you. I have come to convince you. I have come to convince you tonight. I have come to mark you. I have come to mark you with a word. I have come, Lord, to make it alive in your life. I have come to mark you, says the Lord. And where you walk with my mark, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Where you walk with my mark, you will walk fearless in the power of my spirit. You will walk not bound to the limitations of darkness and shame and what this city has, has done to the people of this region, but you will walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. For you, says the Lord, are marked by my spirit. You are marked for battle, says the Lord, for I have selected my war horses. <laughs> I have selected my war horses, says the Lord. I have enlisted an army, and I have come to do a great work. I have come to touch and to release miracles into this city. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, send the rain. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy
0: Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcupett.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Charisma magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.